The flames devour the lives of at least 57 people, sparing neither the elderly or the children, leaving them to suffer in agony. The heinous act was so vile that even the angels wept. Welcome to our channel, where we bring you the chilling story of the merciless inferno that engulfed the innocent, leaving in its wake a trail of death and destruction. The perpetrator, Nazari Youssef Alanazi, unleashed this terror upon the unsuspecting victims, with no remorse for the innocent lives that were lost. The public's fury towards her was so intense that not even the victim's relatives sought anything less than the harshest possible punishment for her actions. What drove Nazareth to commit such a barbaric act? What kind of monster could unleash such a fiery hell upon innocent people? Join us as we delve deeper into this gruesome tale and uncover the twisted mind of a killer. This story will make your blood run cold and leave you questioning the very nature of humanity. We are going to a country on the map, and this one is going to be located way out in the Middle East. Folks, we bid you a warm welcome to the tiny nation of Kuwait. In point of fact, the entire nation has a population that is only equivalent to that of the city of London's metropolitan area. It is sandwiched between the countries of Iraq and Saudi Arabia. And despite having a tumultuous history with its neighbors, Kuwait has been able to skyrocket economically over the course of the last couple of centuries despite the fact that it is located in this strategic location. Because of its proximity to the world's sixth largest oil resource, this nation enjoys a prosperous economy and a good standard of living. And that is a lot for a country as small as Kuwait. In fact, the Kuwaiti dinar is now the strongest currency in the world, which places Kuwait as the fifth richest country in the world. Due to the fact that much of Kuwait is composed of a desolate desert, the country often records some of the highest temperatures that can be found anywhere in the globe. Regular summers frequently exceed over 50 degrees Celsius or 122 Fahrenheit. The main character of our narrative, Nazari Youssef Alanazi, is 23 years old and can be found in the sprawling capital city of Kuwait, which is also called Kuwait City. She lives in the city's outskirts, which are known as the New Kuwait. Nazru and her family resided in Kuwait City, where she was joined by her husband, Zayard, who was 36 years old, and their two children. Nazra was in her late teens when she got married, and the couple didn't have to wait very long before they welcomed their first two children into their home. And despite the fact that not much is known about Nazra's life when she was younger, it is clear that she had issues with her mental health. But tragically, stigmatization is still common surrounding mental health and these disorders were never addressed, recognized, or treated. This is similar to the situation in a large portion of the rest of the globe. When it came to her conduct in day-to-day -day life, she was notorious for being erratic, impetuous, and generally unpredictable. This fact, which I'm sure won't come as a surprise at a later point in the narrative, was well known. Nazrur and Zayed managed to have a happy life together in spite of the difficulties Nazra had in the past with her mental health. As is customary among Kuwaiti families, Nazra remained at home to care for the children and maintain the household. 
while Zayed went out to find employment in order to contribute financially to the support of the family. Unfortunately, at this point Nazra found herself in an extremely difficult circumstance. Both of her sons had unique needs, which meant they needed a great deal more attention than the typical youngster does. Her spouse, who was anxious and overworked, did not find her accomplishments impressive. Zayard had no intention of marrying her so that she could cope with the hardship of raising two children with special needs, and as a result, he began to hunt for a new partner outside of their relationship. Since polygamy has been practiced in Kuwait for thousands of years, it is neither against the law nor frowned upon by the country's religious leaders for a man to have more than one wife at a time. In most cultures, having up to four wives is not frowned upon. Therefore, Zayed began looking for a second wife, which naturally did not sit well with Nazra. It is easy to understand why she felt this way. While she remained at home to care for their children, her husband actively pursued the possibility of marrying another woman. This is often carried out by a matchmaker, who will compile profiles on potential companions who are a good fit and then present them for consideration. And often, not too much longer after a match is found, the two will wed as quickly as it is socially acceptable to do so. Nazra despised the manner in which her husband had deserted her. She was under the impression that he harbored resentment against her since their children had been born with disabilities and that he was remarrying in an effort to have more children. This was a normally sluggish process, and the animosity that Nazra felt had been percolating just below the surface for a considerable amount of time before coming to the surface. In August of 2009, Sayed made the official announcement that he had selected a second wife, and that they were planning to marry later that very same month. This was the month when the envy, frustration, and fury came to a head, and it was the month that brought them to a boiling point. Nazra made the conscious decision to maintain her composure despite the fact that she was fuming on the inside. She did not behave in a way that would draw attention to herself or lash out physically in any way. I mean, it can't be denied that she had resentment toward her husband. Yet, in order to exact punishment on him for his extramarital affair, she was prepared to wait for the right opportunity. The temperatures were rising in more ways than one despite the fact that it was just another typical day in Kuwait. Today was the day of Zayed's wedding to his new bride, which took place earlier today. They had decided that Algera, which is situated close to the west of Kuwait City, would be the appropriate location for the event. The wedding ceremony in Kuwait is a highly formal event. In more recent years, they have begun to take on more of the appearance of ceremonies performed in the American way, rather than the historically typical Kuwaiti approach. Many people are undoubtedly already aware of this fact yet a significant amount of money goes into them. The costs associated with these celebrations can range anywhere from $100,000 to several million dollars, making them among the most opulent and pricey types of events. We are talking about flowers brought in from Holland, cuisine brought in from Paris, and entertainers gathered from all around the world. By noon, all of the ceremonies had gotten off to a good start. And in the meanwhile, 
The tents that were going to be used to welcome visitors had been set up. At a Kuwaiti wedding, it is common for the groom and his guests to have separate celebrations from the bride and her guests. Because there are no men around, the women are free to remove their head coverings and expose their faces, which gives them the opportunity to relax. Therefore, while there was an official tent that was set apart for the males, the other tents were set aside for the ladies and children. These tents were big and white to help keep the occupants cool in the scorching heat of Kuwait. These tents are not only big enough to fit dozens of people inside of them, but they can fit hundreds. The ones that they had recruited for today, however, did not meet the routine safety norms that are in place. You see, this tent had just one exit, and other than that, there was no way out of it, which was a problem that would have severe repercussions later on in the narrative. Somehow, everything went according to plan without a hitch. And when the formal parts of the ceremony drew to an end, the men and ladies parted ways to enjoy the celebrations in their own unique ways. Nazra was hiding in the shadow, out of sight from the numerous visitors who were enjoying the music food, and discussion that was going on. Regrettably, she had not come to a different conclusion during the course of the preceding weeks, and the possibility of taking vengeance on her husband was still very much alive. And what more effective strategy could there be than to go after him on the day of his own wedding? The dry and arid weather of Kuwait may be a very deadly companion when it comes to fire. And then, in order to carry out her nefarious plan, she used the gasoline that she had placed with great care close by at an earlier point in time. While there were still many children and women inside the tent, Nazra started pouring water around the outside of the structure. The temperature had soared far past 50 degrees Celsius, which is equivalent to 122 degrees Fahrenheit, and it didn't take the tent very long at all to catch fire as a result. Everyone inside was completely oblivious to the impending peril that was occurring all around them. And as soon as they detected the odor of smoke coming from the fire, the people there began to experience terror. People started running towards the one and only entrance and exit to the tent as soon as the alarm was raised. But since the tent was so big and complicated to navigate, Fear and mayhem began to break out almost immediately. It was impossible for the size of the exit to accommodate the vast number of people who were all wanting to leave at the same moment, which led to a snarl of people pushing and shoving one another in their haste to get out of there. It was difficult for all of the visitors to escape the chaotic panic alive, which was another unfortunate consequence of the situation. The tents were consumed by the flames, and the unfortunate result was that all of the people who were still inside perished. The very hot weather in Kuwait contributed to the spread of the fire, which caused the temperature inside the tent to soar to an astounding 500 degrees Celsius, or 930 degrees Fahrenheit. Those who were trapped inside and unable to flee perished as a result of either the heat or the flames. After just three minutes had passed after the first part, the tent had entirely burned to the ground, leaving behind the massively scorched scene with clothes and furnishings that had been consumed by the flames to the point where only the metal frames remained. 
There was no time for emergency services to respond. And in that span of time, the fire was responsible for the deaths of 41 innocent children and women. Even though many of the guests had been able to flee the building, an additional 90 persons had been injured as a result of either being burned or the pandemonium that ensued. As first responders began searching through the wreckage of the catastrophe, they discovered that many of the dead had been charred beyond recognition. As a consequence of this discovery, the emergency services were forced to seek the assistance of a specialized team in order to identify the victims. They were able to identify the victims by using dental and medical records, and over the course of the next days, several of those who had suffered catastrophic injuries as a result of the attack would also pass away as a result of their burns. In the end, the overall number of fatalities reached 57 while an additional 74 people were injured as a result of the incident. This act of violence has evolved into one of the most tragic events in the annals of Kuwaiti history. The magnitude of this catastrophe, which authorities have described as the biggest of its kind to occur in the last 40 years, has resulted in both sadness and resentment. The immediate priority, however, is to make every effort to preserve the lives of the several victims who are currently being treated in the hospital for life-threatening injuries. Due to the fact that neither the bride-to-be or the groom were present in the marquee at the time the fire broke out, they were able to escape this catastrophe without suffering any injuries. The authorities wasted no time in getting to work and starting their investigation into what had started the fire. At first, they thought that possibly the incense-burning coals were to blame, or perhaps there was a problem with the electrical system. In spite of this, the more they investigated, the more it became clear that this was in no way a coincidence. The fire had been started on purpose, which constitutes the criminal offense of arson. This came as such a surprise to both of the families. Both Sayer and his new wife had a high level of popularity among the communities, and to the best of their knowledge, none of them was at odds with anybody else. As for Nazara, she had kept a low profile on her annoyances, so it was not immediately clear that she was involved in the crime. However, because of the intimate relationship that she shared with Zaya, she was instantly chosen for interrogation. It was also not difficult to find her because she was at home taking care of her children at the time. And not long after being hauled into jail, a horrifying admission was made by the suspect. Nazra sobbed and said that she had started the fire in the tent using rags that had been doused in gasoline before she even considered hiring an attorney. However, as soon as Nazra was given the recommendation to consult a lawyer, she quickly adopted a different tone. She no longer accepted responsibility for the crime and made a formal request to have her confession retracted, citing the fact that she had been subjected to pressure at the time of the incident. This request was ultimately turned down, and her original confession was quickly included into the overwhelming evidence that was presented at her trial. However, the judicial processes regarding this issue would take a number of different turns and twists. It was revealed that Nazra was pregnant with Zayed's third kid when she was being detained in prison. The child would be Zayed's third child. 
This made things a great deal more complex. The death penalty is permitted by law in Kuwait, and execution is frequently used to carry out the sentence for murder. But for obvious reasons, pregnant women cannot be condemned to death. Therefore, instead, they would be punished with a life sentence if they were convicted of a capital offense. We will never know for sure if Nazra's pregnancy was an elaborate hoax or if she had, in fact, lost the baby before it was delivered, even after the baby is born. However, two months later, when it was discovered that she was no longer pregnant, she instead claimed that her husband had arranged for a jail officer to compel her to take medicine that caused her to miscarry. This allegation was made after it was discovered that she was no longer pregnant. The claim was never investigated further, and Nazra was never subjected to any kind of medical testing to determine whether or not her post-pregnancy symptoms were a result of a miscarriage. This defense was presented at Nazra's trial in March of 2010. However, it did not appear to have much credibility with the jury or the judge. In the end, everything was thrown out, and the judge didn't feel she deserved any mercy for the horrific things she had done since he believed she was responsible for the crimes she committed. It seems that this was the mindset of the wider public as well since the majority of people in Kuwait viewed her as a young woman who was cruel and self-centered. As a result of her jealousy, she was responsible for the deaths of 57 women and children. Therefore, it is customary court procedure in Kuwait to permit the relatives of the victims to relinquish their rights to vengeance, which enables the court to let Nazra evade the death penalty and avoid Kuwait's harsh legal system. And despite the fact that the court only required one family of the victims to submit a waiver in order to explore this alternative, none of them did so. The members of Nazareth's defense team hurled every conceivable justification they could find at the judge in an effort to get some degree of compassion for their client. These excuses included citing her age, gender, and even mental state. But the court, the relatives of the victims, and the evidence all pointed strongly in Nazra's direction as the guilty party. And despite the fact that her defense team made an effort to get her sentence reduced to one of life in prison, they were eventually unsuccessful. Her prior confession was finally excised, and Nazra asserts that the truth of the matter is that she never had any intention of setting the fire in the first place. It would appear that she mistook this highly flammable fuel for water and she utilized it at the ceremony to bring about the new marriage of her husband. It should come as no surprise that this wouldn't hold up in court. After some time, a witness came forward to say that she had seen Nazra pouring the gasoline around the tents and then lighting it on fire. I'm not sure what sort of water requires a lighter, but it was very evident that Nazra's second confession required further labor. In the end, Nazra was held responsible for her crimes, and despite there being no evidence that she was actually pregnant, she was condemned to death for the murder of 57 women and children, as well as the injury of 74 other people. The court affirmed the sentence because of the serious nature of her offenses and out of respect for the victims and the families of those who were killed. If sentenced to death, Nazra would become only the second woman in Kuwaiti history to ever face that consequence. As was said before, 
women typically receive lesser penalties, yet it is very evident that this is not the case here. After the verdict was handed down in her case, new laws were enacted that made it illegal to use wedding tents that had not been set up by authorized organizations, and it is now obligatory to adhere strictly to all existing safety regulations. The people of Kuwait were left shaken by this terrible incident. It is generally agreed that Kuwait is an exceptionally tranquil nation with a comparatively low overall crime rate. People couldn't believe that a woman could create so much suffering and destruction in such a little amount of time, just three minutes. And despite the fact that she stated that she did not want to murder anyone, it is as plain as the nose on your face to see that Nazra plotted her actions with the purpose to kill someone. These plans would ultimately result in the death of 57 absolutely innocent individuals who were present to celebrate what should have been one of the happiest moments, the wedding of a loved one. All of these people were there to celebrate what should have been one of the happiest days. As I mentioned before, Nazra's plan to murder the bride did not work out as she had hoped since she was unable to carry it through. However, the unfortunate outcome was that the bride's mother and sister both perished as a result of the event. On January 25, 2017, seven years after Nazra's punishment was initially handed down, it was eventually carried out. She was one among seven persons who were put to death that day. Three other ladies also lost their lives. And interestingly enough, the first person to be put to death on that day was a member of the ruling royal family. This individual was put to death when it was discovered that he had slain his crippled nephew as the result of an argument. In most cases, members of the media are permitted to attend and cover these events. On this particular day, however, it was very banned for them to be present. This was mostly owing to the fact that one of the convicts belonged to a royal family. Later on, Nazra was put to death by the guards at the prison by means of a private hanging. This was meant to provide the relatives of her victims with some feeling of justice for their deceased loved ones. And with her passing, the investigation into the deaths of 57 innocent people has come to a conclusion. Fifty-seven lives were taken because of the feelings of one person. I want to express my gratitude for taking the time to follow the case today. If you found this video to be fascinating or if you discovered anything new today, then don't forget to give the thumbs up and subscribe to our channel. Goodbye.